Not long ago, in a far-off corner of a place called the Internet, a revolution was born. Forged in the fires of common experience, the survivors of a mysterious movie known only as A Talking Cat came together. Their purpose, to dissect this fascinating failure of a film and broadcast their findings through the cosmos in hopes that future generations might learn from their mistakes. Some would call them heroes, others would call them mad, but despite the grueling road ahead of them, the group would take up this Sisyphean task and become a talking cast? Are they adventurers, sinner as a savior's or Are they demented, love the punishments, I can't be sure But one thing I do know is that the mission here to force To make your life so hard that you'll be pissing on your kitchen floor Hello everybody, and welcome back to A Talking Cast The A Talking Cast podcast that nobody ever asked for, but here it is anyway uh, I am your host, Dylan Reed Miller, and joining me today Hi, uh, I'm Chris This is John Hi, welcome Chris, and welcome back John Well, it's good to be here So this is episode 33 which, for those of you following along at home, means it is minute 3201 to minute 33. And uh, this minute begins with a shot of the sun. Yeah, it's a really nice shot of the sun, but I've noticed, having seen this minute a couple of times, that it is static. It's just a photo that yeah. someone is slowly yeah. zooming into. Also, whenever you see shots of the sun in movies, they always seem to be trying to establish the time of day. There is no way of telling what time of day this is from that shot. It just, yeah. here's the sun. That looks like a sunset, but also it's definitely not dusk in the minute, so I don't know. I was going to ask, um, because diving into the mystery of where this movie actually takes place, I thought that we could try and establish whether it was a sunrise over the uh, eastern or western coast, if it was sunrise or sunset, but I guess that's out of the window. Well, if you follow into the into the action of what's happening with, uh, with our hero making his little motivational speech to himself, if it's a sunset, he's spent the entire day in that <laughs> In that four-poster bed. It probably does have to be a sunrise, but we've got no coast to give us an indication. But while we're on the topic of just endless stock footage, because this this minute is uh, about 50% stock footage, let's say. (laughs) (laughs) We've got uh, stock footage and then a speech and then more stock footage. Just for my own interest, I went back and actually uh, sat with a stopwatch and timed every stock footage and establishing shot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from the beginning of the movie to this minute and worked out what it would be as a percentage of the the total running time up to this point. And I feel like that the, the, the figure's going to be a little bit skewed because of the credit sequence, which I counted, even though it's, it's, it's about three minutes long. But it's seven minutes. We're 32 minutes into the movie and we've had seven minutes of stock footage and establishing shots. Oh, it's it's about 21% amazing. of the damn movie amazing. so far. And what would, one would think with all those establishing shots, we would have some idea where the hell we are. <laughs> but we're more confused than ever. It's actually not skewed because the entire credit sequence is just cat videos. So it's going to be the same at the end. You should come back near the end and give us an updated count, yeah? Oh man, I really don't want that to I don't want that to be my responsibility, but I'll I'll do it if I have to. I was just going to say uh we we cut straight from the sun rising supposedly to a shot of a sunny house. We haven't left this house 
and we've already had one shot establishing that it's now morning. And so it's it's bringing me to the question, is the editor the person whose fault the whole movie is? Because (laughs) I've been trying to figure it out. Like, at times, the writing almost seems like someone was trying to do something. But do you think the editor was just given 45 minutes of movie and thought, oh man, I have to pad this out because... This isn't this isn't good enough for a feature. Hmm. I see it as the editor trying to impose some sense of chronology to a story that takes place in this nebulous, you know, almost theatrical space where the no one changes their clothes for the first, I think, until the very last uh, scene of the movie. They're all, you know, we cut away from the poor family and back to the poor family, and the daughter is still sitting in exactly the same place she was ostensibly 12 hours ago, you know, two days ago. We don't know. I think there's someone trying to make sense out of this by setting these establishing shots and saying, okay, a day has passed or putting a blue filter over it and saying, okay, now it's nighttime. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't I don't think there there, there ever was any thought to, to time passing. I think this is truly a sort of a, a Sartrean uh, hell that these people are living in. Yeah. Well, we spent a long time talking about this establishing shot. Going off what you said, Phil changes clothes because he's now in this great like track jacket and um, t-shirt. Yeah, kind of Russian immigrant drug dealer style. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, joined, he's joined the mafia. That's what he's doing in his retirement. Right, yeah. It's a strange costuming choice because on the one hand, it's supposed to show that he has just kind of hit some sort of rock bottom as far as his retirement has, uh, is concerned. In, in in just under two days, he is wearing, you know, a soup-stained shirt that is, you know, and, and a bathrobe. He has gone through all the stages of grief. <laughs> And is now a hollow shell of a man. And on top of that, he is now, I guess, afraid he's losing his mind. And he delivers another one of these wonderful soliloquies that the film has that never happen in real life. There has not been one time in my life where I have declaimed at the mirror what my innermost thoughts are. But everyone in this uh, film, you know, his son does it. He does it. Everyone has to talk out loud about what their innermost feelings are. It's very Shakespearean. And it, and and did everybody knows right what's on his shirt, right? The yeah. the, the Spanish. <laughs> the... One fucking day at a time. Exactly. And it seems as though you know Phil is approach approaches this little discussion with himself about whether or not he saw a cat and whether or not going on this walk today will be his own idea, with the same seriousness that. You know, a recovering alcoholic taking a good hard look in the mirror is, is going to take. And, and it just, it, I know that that's supposed to be some sort of a, an inside joke for, I guess, here's something for daddy, if daddy uh, knows uh, Spanish. But it, it seems very depressing to me. It seems very, very sad that this, uh, that Phil has uh, has been so shaken to the core by Duffy, you know, who who only wants to bring happiness to him. Well, does he, though? Yeah, if we look at it from the perspective of Duffy not really existing, what we're seeing is a man who goes from trying to talk to his son, withdrawing into, like, a projected version of his uh, his body, trying to just desperately tell him to exercise, and then he even strips that away, that, that layer of uh, delusion, until he's just talking to himself in the mirror. I'm wondering if the rest of the movie, he's just having this inner monologue with himself, uh, trying to process as rapidly on coming depression. We've had a lot of theories about Duffy. I don't know that anyone has said he doesn't exist, but I like that one. I, I like I like Duffy as Tyler Durden here because Duffy could be <laughs> some sort of a, a mass hallucination. Not not a single person's Tyler Durden, but each 
person in turns, Tyler Durden, you know, the, 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 they're, they're, there's now hear me out. There could be some sort of a gas leak or something in the, in the area. These people are prone to these mild hallucinations where their petty little problems, you know, are brought out in the form of this cat, but you know, probably not as interesting as that. I mean, let's go through the information that Duffy gives them, right? Um, does he teach any of them things <laughs> okay. that they don't already know? He tells the he tells Phil, yeah, Phil, the dad, yeah, yeah, Phil he tells the dad, yeah. him yep. to go into the forest, presumably just to die. Which uh, let's that could very easily <laughs> just be <laughs> Phil giving up um, in his head, and he's projected dark. it onto the dark. Um, he tells the the fence building son that he has an imagination. But if you're seeing a talking cat, then <laughs> you've got one. So that's not really... He also... Yeah? He also talks to Trent about his backstory, though. He tells him about his collar that's in the woods. Oh, right. Yeah. Ah, that's true. He didn't know that. But that's the only actual new piece of information he gives anyone. I mean, he gives the daughter the command to look at her beeping machine but there was no doubt she was going to look at that beeping machine one way or another <laughs> yeah what does he tell what does he tell um chris the the thing is in the earlier minute i was uh i i talked about when duffy appears at the mother's shoes and in that instance also no new information the, <laughs> the son had already clearly told the mother that the shoes were there there had been a cutaway proving that the shoes were there and they said oh problem solved and then they walk outside and the cat appears as though i don't know what here let me help with your with your shoes uh but you know in, in phil's case phil wants to go for a walk and the other thing that i noticed about this walk was he how much drama he imbues us with how much meaning he imbues us with i mean it's a friggin walk like <laughs> a 20-minute walk in the woods, is, is is Phil that inactive a man that this is a huge decision for him? I mean, he did work at a tech company, so he probably didn't get out that much. What a dark minute this has been. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I can't help but think as I see this is I, I do know a bit about Johnny Whitaker. I actually am old enough to have grown up uh, watching Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, and I saw the Tom Sawyer film that he did uh, in the theaters as a very young child. Uh, this guy was probably uh, at the top of the child actor game in about 72, 73, 74. And then he just kind of fell off the earth. So there is something kind of poignant about the, about him giving himself this, this speech at this point. Also, I understand he's a now a drug counselor. So interesting. Well, not everyone can be as prolifically successful as um, Eric Roberts, you know. But if we're if we're going to get back to looking at the stock footage in the minute um, and what it might mean in terms of an editing perspective, um, I've noticed that uh, it, it's all it's all the same shots of nature and sunrises and beaches um, and. I think we're supposed to be adopting the same mindset as um, as as Phil here. We're supposed to be looking at nature and going, that's what we could be doing instead of watching this terrible movie. I think that's what the editor is trying oh. to tell us. 
<laughs> a talking cat is really a, an effort to get people active. Yeah. As you say, it goes back into more stock footage. And that's how the minute ends. We pan down this waterfall. Or not pan, it's a tilt yeah. in, in technical terms. but whatever. A very shaky tilt. Um, no steady cam yeah. involved. Um, and as always, the soundtrack is on point. <laughs> when is it this time? Is it like this light jazz? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There are... If, I, I watched the whole thing through with my my son who wanted to know what the hell I had been doing uh, podcasting with uh, strange people on the internet. And uh, so I watched it through with him and I noticed as I was watching it through that there really were only about six or seven themes that they repeated over and over again. It seemed to me the first time I'd seen it, like it was just an infinite uh, number, but they, they do, they do come back. So they don't, there's no reason why they come back at one point or another. They just kind of like cycle through. I think, and clearly by the fact I didn't know that, they assumed correctly that watching this movie, you lose your mind so dramatically that you aren't going <laughs> to notice that they replayed all the music. I certainly didn't notice. Maybe it's just because they're so bland. I was just like, oh, it's more bland music. But um. This was the first time I watched it all the way through to the credits. Mm-hmm. And what the reggae theme turns out to be i'm not going to say because that's for that's for another minute but i was shocked to, to learn the surprise reveal of that song well we we look forward to it and um you'll have to keep listening to to find that surprise reveal so um that that brings us to the end of our minute so if you, if you guys have any further thoughts i was depressed and confused by this minute yeah <laughs> I, I i apologize for my scattered thoughts here but i i, I this is getting into the sort of the bleak darkness of the the inner the inner part of this movie that you know the delight has passed and now it's just you're starting to doubt whether or not you really should be spending your life watching a, a talking cat Christopher? yeah i i like this minute uh i think it's it's really <laughs> tapping into that that sort of walden theme of you know leave behind civilization and go and find yourself in in the forest in nature it's a sunny day you don't want to be inside looking at your beeping machines uh enjoy it um, I mean, the, the climax of the movie uh, plays on a similar theme, but again, that's for a later minute. Sure. Um, well, my closing thought, I've been doing this a little bit, but I would like to do it again. I've gone to the IMDb page and I want to read the one sentence storyline. There is no plot summary, but I really liked what they put in for the storyline. So a sassy feline helps a family resolve its problems. <laughs> there you go. Which family? The simple, wow. simple... I know, right? I was like, there's two families. They're not one family. Well, by the end, they're one family. All right. Very deep. All right. <laughs> I think that's a good place to end it. So, for Talking Cast, I have been Dylan. <laughs> I've been Chris. And this is John. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you all very much for listening to this episode of A Talking Cast. If you enjoyed it and you want to stay up to date with our future episodes, please like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash a talking cast or follow us on Twitter at a talking cast. Bye. Bye. Minute by minute. That's so they'll be diving in to shed some clarity on this hilariously failed attempt. So grab a friend and crack a beer with them and listen in. A talking cast is about to begin. That was episode 33 of A Talking Cast, the A Talking Cat podcast that nobody asked for. Your host was Dylan Reed Miller with guest hosts John McCoy 
and Christopher Dudley. Edited by Darren Husted. Music by Casey Trimble. Voiceover by John Kowaleski. Artwork by Josh Hollis. Executive producers Sarah Cantor and Darren Husted. Copyright 2015. All rights reserved. This podcast is not affiliated with Rapid Heart Productions. A talking cat is owned by Rapid Heart Productions. No infringement is intended. In loving memory of Jaden Holmes.